Hi, welcome to Eyes on Southeast Asia, the premier podcast on foreign policy, security, and economic issues of Southeast Asia, brought to you by Foreign Policy Community of Indonesia, the largest foreign policy group in the country. Today, we're going to have an insightful discussion on the progress, complexity, and challenges faced by the ASEAN economic community. Joining me today is Dr. Aladdin Rilo. He is the Deputy Secretary General for ASEAN Economic Community from 2018 to 2021. Welcome, Dr. Aladdin. Thank you so much and uh, nice to be here. Well, it's, it's always good to see you. And uh, uh, l- let me begin by, by asking mm. uh, you about uh, yourself. Uh, I, I know you're from the Philippines. Mm-hmm. I know you're, you're a long-time uh, ASEAN Secretariat uh, mm-hmm. uh, Uh, official, mm. yeah. Uh, please tell me where you studied and how did you get into this uh, yeah. uh, job? Yeah. Okay, thank you so much, Padino. Yeah, I, I've been involved in ASEAN for I think around 21 years. Uh, I first joined the secretariat back in 2000 as a senior officer, and then after that, I I, I uh, also was promoted to the latest position was director for the Economic Monitoring Office. Then after that, I joined the Asian Development Bank Institute in Tokyo for five years. And then uh, after my stint in Tokyo, I was lucky to join again the ASEAN Secretariat as the Deputy Secretary General for the AEC. So it's like 21 years working on ASEAN. And uh, I think it's good because uh, I'm an economist by training and profession. I did my PhD in economics in University of Hawaii a long time ago. M- MA and PhD. MA right? and PhD yeah. in economics, yeah. Yes. And Great I, university. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> no, thank you so much. Yeah, yes. Yeah. Okay, good. Well, uh, your job at the ASEAN Secretariat is to see the ASEAN economic mm-hmm. integration. Uh, can you tell us what is the ideal mm-hmm. ASEAN economic integration look like on the ground? Well, as you know, uh, ASEAN is trying to create an integrated and uh, inclusive community. And this is through the ASEAN Vision 2025, you know, Community Vision 2025. Within the context of the ASEAN economic community, the, the goal is to create a single integrated market in the region where there is a free flow of goods, services, investment, labor, and capital across borders among ASEAN countries. But let me try to simplify it, you know, because when we talk about single integrated market, what exactly do we mean by that? For me, there are two important implications. One, I think once we create a single integrated market, we are able to create more competition and market contestability in ASEAN. As we know, market contestability would imply that all barriers to market entry and exit of the firms will be eliminated. And at the same time, it would ensure that there will be more opportunities for market players uh, in the market. So under the AEC, I think we're able to achieve that in a sense that we're able to eliminate uh, tariffs across uh, around 98% uh, of our product groups. And at the same time, we're able to create some uh, competitive conditions in the region that would allow markets to flourish. And we're able to do that by implementing a number of initiatives, for example, initiatives on standards, on, on competition, on trade facilitation. All of this allow the region to uh, eliminate all these uh, barriers to market entry by the firms. I think one very good uh, initiative here in the region as far as uh, uh, 
eliminating barriers to markets is concerned is the ASEAN single window. I'm sure you've heard about that. This is a platform that allows businesses to exchange uh, documents electronically. And this is very important because, in my view, it allows the region to reduce transaction costs. That is very crucial as far as uh, 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 facilitating uh, uh, movement of goods in the region is concerned. Another important implication of this single production base that the AEC is trying to create is in terms of uh, promoting market efficiency. When we talk about market efficiency, it is about, in my view, creating more transparency in the region in as far as uh, doing business. So that also implies the ability of the region to make sure that information is uh, transmitted uh, completely among the different market players without any cost. Okay? I think that's very important because we want to make sure that the cost of doing business in ASEAN is actually uh, uh, well maintained and at the same time we're able to achieve that. Within ASEAN, uh, the way we're able to operationalize that is by ensuring that we have different initiatives in the region that are actually uh, uh, rules-based in principle. You know? For example, we have uh, uh, initiatives across different sectors like trade, finance, competition, consumer protection, and all these different sectors, including transportation, uh, of course, and energy. But I think what's the most important thing to highlight here is that ASEAN, in trying to create more transparency in the region, we're trying to promote or let the countries commit to greater uh, regulatory go uh, principles or regulatory practice in the region. The way we do that is that we try to encourage ASEAN countries to align their national policies to the regional priorities to make sure that the region is able to address uh, all these sorts of uh, regulatory barriers that we think are very crucial as far as our ability to facilitate the free flow of goods, services, and capital into the region. So these, in my view, are two important implications of creating a single integrated market in ASEAN. But I think we also recognize that market integration is not easy, right? I think it's a very complex process in a sense that you have to take into account the different market conditions across different countries. And at the same time, we recognize that the economic and geopolitical landscape is changing rapidly. Therefore, for ASEAN economic community to become relevant, we have to make sure that we're able to create the necessary conditions and incentives and initiatives in the region that promote a greater uh, ability of the region to have uh, a single integrated production base. One way that we are able to do that is by uh, facilitating or streamlining non-tariff measures. Okay? That is one very initiative in the region right now. We want to make sure that uh, in the process of eliminating all these barriers in the markets, non-tariff measures are also being addressed effectively. Uh, for example, uh, the ability to address uh, issues related to customs procedures and so forth, the ability to also address uh, regulatory barriers in the provision of services, these are important issues. Secondly, we also recognize that for ASEAN economic community to become more rel relevant, we need to also become, a, we need to be able to advance, for example, digitalization in, in ASEAN. As we all know, uh, digital technologies play a very important role as far as uh, uh, market integration is concerned. So right now we're focusing on different initiatives such as e-commerce, uh, digital trade, as, as well as fintech. 
And finally, as I mentioned earlier, we want to make sure that market integration in ASEAN is becoming more and more relevant to the changing uh, economic and, and uh, geopolitical landscape. And one important consideration here is to make sure that we're able to address sustainability issues in our market integration. In my view, I don't think uh, market integration is just a matter of making our markets efficient and, and productive, but we also have to make sure that the effects of this market integration are inclusive and sustainable. Because whether uh, we like it or not, market integration would impact on the people and the environment. Therefore, to be able to make sure that our market integration in ASEAN is really a, an inclusive one, we're trying to also address issues related to climate change, to uh, uh, inclusion and so forth. Because uh, at the end of the day, market integration in ASEAN is not only about markets, but it is about the extent by which people are being affected by this uh, ability of the region to create a single integrated market. So I think in, in essence, that is what uh, uh, market integration under ASEAN economic community is all about. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dr. Aladdin, for uh, the benefit of our students uh, yeah. out there, can you tell us why having a single production base is an important thing for ASEAN economies? How does it make them uh, competitive? Yeah. Because if you look at ASEAN, ASEAN is a very diverse region, mm -hmm. right? We have a big economies like Indonesia, Singapore, Thailand, and the Philippines. But at the same time, we have the smaller economies like uh, Cambodia, Myanmar, Laos. Therefore, as, uh, if you look at the countries individually, I don't think they are very attractive. Therefore, to be able to make ASEAN a very attractive place for investment, we have to make sure that there is economies of scale. And we can only create economies of scale if we look at the region as one competitive region, as a single integrated market. Because by having a single integrated market, we're able to create not only the scale that is important for the investors to consider, but also the need to look at other considerations such as efficiency and productivity. And that is what the, the market uh, integration is able to achieve. Yeah. Okay. Well, tell us what are the big connectivity infrastructure mm -hmm. projects that mm -hmm. are out there already or that are in the mm -hmm. pipeline? Well, connectivity within the context of ASEAN community is very crucial because particularly when you talk about market integration, I don't think we'll, we, we can afford not to talk about connectivity, right? Because uh, market integration is ensuring that you have enough logistics, you have enough transportation to be able to move okay, uh, goods across uh, the borders. Within the region, one very important initiative to support connectivity is the MPAC 2025, or the Master Plan for ASEAN Connectivity 2025. And under that initiative, the idea again is to ensure greater connectivity in ASEAN by identifying a number of priority projects. Uh, to date, there are 19 projects that have been identified these are the priority projects on infrastructure covering different sectors such as ICT, uh, transport, as well as uh, energy sectors. And these uh, investment uh, or infrastructure projects amount to around 15 billion US dollars in terms of possible investments that are needed to support this investment. So these projects are the priority for the region right now, these infrastructure projects. And right now, we also have, for example, uh, this uh, uh, highway uh, uh, expansion in, in some countries like Cambodia and Vietnam. 
and I think we're also building one uh, airport in Indonesia, you know, as part of this MPAC 2025, as well as other uh, projects on, on digital connectivity. In my view, the connectivity becomes more important during this pandemic. Uh, we recognize that if we want to facilitate economic recovery from this COVID-19 pandemic, we have to make sure that connectivity is also being addressed effectively. One very important initiative here is how to promote sustainable uh, infrastructure. I think the issue here is not about only creating physical infrastructure, but we also want to make sure that we're able to address issues related to inclusivity and sustainability. So we want to make sure that the infrastructures that we have in the region are green and sustainable. So there is now a lot of efforts in the region on trying to promote sustainable infrastructure. And this is something that ASEAN alone is not, for me, is not able to achieve by itself. Uh, we are working closely with a number of partners, with other stakeholders, including international organizations like ADB and the World Bank, to make sure that all these different infrastructure projects that promote uh, sustainability, for example, are effectively delivered. Yeah. The, the 19 uh, projects, do they have the same uh, business models, more or less, or, or, or different? I think what we've done so far is we come up with some kind of financing uh, 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 or feasibility model for each uh, infrastructure uh, project. Because in our view, financing is very critical here. You know, We have to make sure that uh, there is enough available funds to be able to implement these different projects. So what we've done so far is to come up with some kind of, uh, of, of uh, principles or some kind of standards on financing in order to encourage our investors out there to, to look at more uh, positively all these different infrastructure projects in ASEAN. Do, do you see more state-owned companies or private companies uh, taking advantage of these uh, infrastructure yeah. projects? I think it's a combination, combination. because uh, one uh, key principle of this connectivity is we want to promote greater public-private partnership. So we're seeing a lot of those projects that uh, involve both the government as well as the private sector. Yeah. Yes. Dr. Yeah. Allard, we're yeah. in the midst of the COVID-19 crisis mm -hmm. now. Uh, do you see this development as a catalyst for deeper integration or uh, is this something that is going to lead to mm -hmm. uh, more internal uh, rift within the region? Mm -hmm. yeah. The way I see it, COVID-19 is definitely a very challenging crisis for the region. But at the same time, I think it presents an opportunity for ASEAN to re-examine our market integration. Let me give you a very good example. One very good example is about uh, the global supply chain, right? As you know, ASEAN is very much dependent on the regional production networks and global value chain. But as you know, this pandemic has ad adversely affected the global value chain, including the, the regional production networks. Before the pandemic, no one expected that our supply chains will be adversely affected by a pandemic like this. We thought that our supply chain was very strong and resilient, but it's not actually true. What happened was that our value chains were, were, were uh, adversely affected, including, of course, the manufacturing sector. And I think that led the region to, to realize that maybe there is a need to uh, enhance the resilience of our supply chain in order to make sure that we're able to restart again the regional and global production network. And the way to do that, I think, is for the region to recognize that there are other factors that would enhance our ability to, and to 
make our supply chains more resilient. I think one very good example here, Padino, is that the role of technologies. Technologies, uh, before this pandemic, we, we recognize the importance of the, these technologies, but I think only this during, the, during this time that we recognize more and more the importance of these technologies, right? That they can actually help us enhance the resiliency of our value chain. I think this is in, 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 in connection or in terms of how the different technologies like artificial intelligence, big data analytics, for example, would enable, for example, the private sector to, to uh, come up with some mechanisms on how to uh, strengthen the resilience of the supply chains. I think supply chain resilience, in my view, is very crucial because we need to make sure that production functions are well optimized, right? And also the different aspects of the supply chains are being addressed. Because within the context of the ASEAN economic community, that is very important because our trade is very much dependent on supply chain and regional production network. Therefore, with this realization of enhancing our supply chain resilience, I think ASEAN now is in a better position, okay? To make sure that uh, our market integration is stronger and more resilient. I think the second realization here is in terms of what are, how are we going to address issues related to sustainability? Before this pandemic, everyone thought that the issues on climate change okay, and pandemic are, are isolated from issues related to market integration. But of course, with this pandemic, we, re we realize that everything is interconnected here, right? What we do in our markets affects, for example, our environment and our people. Therefore, in our uh, recovery efforts, for example, under the ASEAN Comprehensive Recovery Framework, one important uh, strategy for the region to facilitate the recovery from this pandemic is to address sustainability across different dimensions. So we're talking here about issues related, for example, to sustainable investment, re renewable energy, green infrastructure, which is very important to the connectivity, as well as sustainable finance. I think all of these, uh, if you take them into account, are very critical in terms of advancing our market integration for the simple reason that market integration, as I mentioned uh, earlier, is not only about the markets. What we do in our markets would impact on the environment and in the people. And I think these two realizations on supply chain resilience and the need to address uh, sustainability are important lessons, the way I see them, for ASEAN from this pandemic, right? And that's why I look at this current pandemic as an opportunity for the region to reassess and reimagine where ASEAN is going to move forward okay, after this pandemic. And I think there are a lot of lessons that we can learn, you know, and this to definitely provide us uh, the most important ones as far as advancing our market integration is concerned. Yeah. Let's talk about trade now. Yeah. Uh, trade among ASEAN countries has been growing considerably. Yeah. used to be about 10% some years ago. Now yeah. it's about 23%. Mm -hmm. percent. But I seem to notice that uh, it's stuck at around 23, 25%. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, am, I, am I right in saying mm -hmm. that it's stuck at that level? Mm -hmm. And what can we do to leap that uh, upward? Mm -hmm. I think you're right. If you look at the inter-regional trade in ASEAN, I think that the share has been settling between 23 to 25% over the, the, the last 10 years, you know, it's been there. But I don't think it, 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 it indicates, it suggests that our inter-regional trade has been stagnant. I don't think that's the case. 
what that figure uh, represents in my view is that the share or the 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 combination between intra ASEAN trade and extra ASEAN trade remains the same or balanced over the years. Because if you look at, uh, for example, the levels of inter-regional trade, the levels are actually rising or increasing over the, the years. For example, in 2010, inter-regional trade in ASEAN amounted to around 510 billion US dollars. Then when we look at the latest figures in 2019, we inter-regional trade in the region amounted to around 632 billion US dollars. So in effect, there is an average growth of around 6% per year in terms of our regional, uh, inter-regional trade. But I think the, most Im the more important indicator here, the way I see it, is not the trade openness of ASEAN as measured by the inter-regional trade, but I think it's more of the trade intensity, or what we call in economics as the inter-regional trade intensity, which is, I think, actually is very high compared to other regions in the world. Okay. This uh, inter-regional trade in, in intensity is actually greater than what we expected, and I think it signifies the importance of regional trade vis-a-vis -vis with, with the global economy. When I look at the figures, for example, intra-regional trade intensity in 2010 is around 3.9, and then in 2019, it actually declined to around 2.7. But for me, that figure is still significant because when I look at what other regions are doing or the intensity of trade in other regions, for example, the EU or NAFTA, in the, in the case of, uh, of EU, the inter-regional uh, trade intensity is around 2, 2, 2.0. In the case of NAFTA, it's around 2.6. So 2.7 in case of ASEAN is still higher compared to the other regions. And I think this also signifies the importance of inter-regional trade integration in, in, in ASEAN. But of course, we also recognize that, as I mentioned earlier, market integration is a complex uh, thing. It's, it's not very easy to have a fully integrated market economy. But I think what's important here is that ASEAN is very much aware of what we need to do, you know, to make sure that uh, inter-regional trade is much deeper compared, compared to the previous years. I think for me, this is very important because uh, if you look at what's happening right now in the global economy, right? We have uh, uh, increasing trade tensions okay, in the global economy. And there's also a lot of tendency right now for uh, uh, protectionism in some countries. Recognizing this ASEAN uh, is uh, of the view that there is a need for more actions, bolder actions and more commitments in the region to be able to further deepen our market integration. So how do we address that? I think one important uh, action here, initiative in the region, is in terms of our efforts in the region to continue to streamline okay, our non-tariff measures. Uh, we have already existing initiatives uh, to address that. For example, as I mentioned earlier, we have the ASEAN single window. We also have uh, uh, in the past been able to implement initiatives such as the uh, ASEAN-wide self-certification scheme. We have developed the non-tariff measure guidelines and all of these other initiatives also that try to enhance the uh, trade facilitation in, in ASEAN. Of course, ASEAN also recognizes that those are not enough. Uh, for example, in the case of ASEAN single window, we are now in the process of expanding the coverage of the ASEAN single window to include all international ports and entry points okay, in all ASEAN 10 countries. I think that plan is expected to be completed this year. Under the ASEAN single window, we also 
are planning to uh, incorporate additional documents to be uh, incorporated into this platform for the exchange of the different documents. For example, we're, we're looking at additional documents such, such as e-FITO certificate and as well as other certificates to assist businesses in doing business in ASEAN. And at the same time, we're talking with other dialogue partners as well on how to expand our ASEAN single window with our uh, other trading partners. Also this year, uh, particularly during this pandemic, we recognized that streamlining NTMs is very critical. For example, uh, in November last year, our leaders, our ministers, sorry, have uh, signed this memorandum of understanding on streamlining non-tariff measures on essential goods. Because if you look at what happened during this pandemic, a lot of uh, protectionist measures have been imposed by countries on the essential goods, right? Therefore, in order to mitigate that or to prevent that to happen again, uh, the economic ministers have signed this MOU that actually binds countries to not to impose any, any NTMs okay, on these essential goods. There are right now in the list 152 uh, goods okay, in, the essential, in, in this list of essential goods. Two weeks ago, our economic ministers had their meeting and then they decided to expand that list to include agricultural products, uh, particularly a staple and, 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 and other uh, agricultural goods. I think that in a way for me uh, signifies the commitment in the region to address uh, trade facilitation in, 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 in ASEAN. Also this year, uh, if you look at the priority economic deliver deliverables under the ASEAN Economic Community, one important priority is the, is the development of this uh, NTM toolkit. I think this toolkit is very important because it allows the region to have a cost-benefit analysis of the different non-tariff measures in the region. We're also trying to uh, come up with some mechanisms on how we can improve the notification process in the region. Remember that countries are supposed to notify, right? all other countries in the region every time they impose a non-tariff measure. The problem, however, that the notification process is not very strong. So now we're looking at a mechanism on how to improve that, uh, that uh, notification process. And also we're trying to improve the procedure, the mechanism on how to address outstanding uh, cases for NTMs. I think all of this combined, the way I see, the, uh, I see them are, in, are, are critical in terms of uh, ensuring that the region remains open for business, especially during this pandemic, because uh, that is very important. We, we need to build confidence among our business community that ASEAN is still a very dynamic region. It's still open very much for, for uh, investment and trade okay, outside the region. Which uh, nicely leads to my next question, uh -huh. uh, which is that every ASEAN economy obviously has as uh, its pillar the small and medium mm -hmm. enterprise. Yeah. Are the small and medium enterprises of ASEAN countries uh, connecting as well as they should? Well, and uh, SMEs or the small enterprises are they are very important for ASEAN because they are uh, uh, they provide an important backbone, okay, for many economies in the region. Yeah, yeah jobs, employment, and, and output, okay. But at the same time, we recognize that they are small, right? They need to be assisted, right, in terms of how they can compete in the global marketplace. Therefore, a lot of initiatives in ASEAN under the cooperation on SME 
are intended to make sure that the benefits of market integration are also being provided to these uh, small businesses. Benefits in terms of, for example, exposure to a large customer base, exposure or being able to engage with the large market players. I think these are opportunities that market integration can provide to the small businesses in ASEAN. But at the same time, we recognize that there are a lot of challenges, right? These are small businesses, and therefore their ability to compete with the big boys is therefore limited. So what do we do in ASEAN is to be able to create the, the environment. We try to create the conditions in which small businesses should be able to, to operate. And there are two possibilities here. There are two ways by which we do that, okay? One is in terms of improving the competitiveness of, of our small enterprises. There are in the region, as I mentioned, different initiatives that address the different constraints that affect the ability of small businesses to operate in the region. These are constraints related, for example, to uh, ability to adapt to technologies, ability to improve their, mark or their product standards, ability to, to access the different uh, 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 product as well as uh, uh, input markets in the region, and also how we can make sure that uh, these small enterprises are able to achieve greater productivity and efficiency. So there are initiatives in ASEAN that try to help those small businesses. And at the same time, we have developed just, I think two years ago, this SME policy index. For me, this is very important because it uh, allows the region to see what is the policy environment that is facing our small enterprises. We need to identify what are the policy constraints that affect the ability of small businesses to compete in the marketplace. And by having this uh, SME policy index, we're able to advise our policymakers what they need to focus on in order to assist our uh, uh, small businesses in their respective country. I think another uh, uh, important area here that we try to support the SMEs is in terms of how to enhance the enterprise connectivity. And by enterprise connectivity, we're referring to the ability of the small enterprises to uh, connect to the, to the bigger markets, right? Or markets outside the region. And the way we see it, one way for small enterprises to leverage on, on that uh, opportunity is to provide the small enterprises the ability to embrace the different digital technologies, right? Because uh, it's very important that uh, uh, small businesses are, have the right skills, okay? to be able to compete and to be able to take advantage of these different technologies. So within ASEAN, there are ongoing initiatives on digitalization of SMEs. And these are important initiatives to make sure that our small businesses are, are able to embrace the different digital technologies that will allow them to expand their market access, okay? not only within the region, but also outside ASEAN. Yeah. So those are opportunities that I think are very critical. But of course, we realize that we cannot help all the SMEs, yes. right? We only need to assist. Sector, it's yeah. a huge sector. Therefore, mm -hmm. we only look at those uh, SMEs or small enterprises are, that are more viable commercially and because these are, are enterprises that we should be able to compete well okay, outside the region. Yeah, Dr. Aladdin, ASEAN has been around for a long time. It's... Uh, 56 uh, years old, uh, yes. something like that, yes, mm -hmm. in 67. 
Mm-hmm. So uh, the question is, do you find that ASEAN is yet to make a deep mark in the everyday life of the people mm-hmm. uh, in its member states? I mean, and there are still many I found in the grassroots that are still not familiar with mm-hmm. ASEAN, let alone with the ASEAN Charter or with the notion of ASEAN community. Mm-hmm. So how how do we fix this? Mm-hmm. Yeah, very interesting question. Uh, because at the Secretariat, we're always uh, trying to gauge, okay, to what extent uh, the public, right, or the general people are able to look at ASEAN or perceive ASEAN. In 2018, we did a survey, or we call that the ASEAN Awareness Poll, okay, wherein we, we look at, we had around almost uh, 5,000 respondents, Papadino. And interestingly, 96% out of that number were able to demonstrate certain awareness of what ASEAN is doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, our, they know the name at least. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. 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 Yes. These are uh, the respondents were the business people, the, the, the students, you know, and, and also the civil society. And also we rec- recognize also, or we, we find out from that uh, survey that two, oh, out, two in every three respondents, for example, uh, believe that uh, having a collective identity in ASEAN is important for the region to become stronger okay, in, 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 in the coming years and in the future. I, uh, I think these results for us are, are very heartening, right? That uh, people are really are look uh, are really knowledgeable or they know about what is ASEAN. I hope not only by name. Because when, when we asked the respondents, or in that poll, when the respondents were asked whether they know about the ASEAN community, unfortunately, the awareness level was very low. Only 30% of the respondents have knowledge of what ASEAN is doing as far as our community building efforts are concerned, including, of course, the three community pillars. 30%. Uh, Only 30%. So I think the number is very small, right? Considering that ASEAN, our goal is to create an integrated community, right? So the level of the understanding and awareness by the people is still very low. So we recognize that is an area that we need to improve on. And that's why part of our strategy here is to uh, expand our communication and outreach activities, okay? In terms of, uh, for example, how to better promote uh, ASEAN as, uh, as an integrated community uh, in, in the region. And we try to also uh, develop, try to develop more high impact uh, activities for example, uh, like podcasts like this, we are now very much also into developing podcasts uh, as well as other uh, um, other um, modalities for reaching out the people because for us, that's very, very important. Of course, uh, in the past or over the years, uh, ASEAN has been also working very hard to reach out to the people. Uh, we have a number of initiatives that uh, help us uh, to, to achieve to help us to achieve that for example since 2017 we have this engagement with the uh, uh, with the senior editors across the region i think that's the asean uh, 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 
press forum or something. You know? And that is an opportunity for the different uh, journalists to interact with the ASEAN chair for that year and ask questions related to ASEAN. So, and I think that is also one way for us to get more media exposure, right? And to talk about ASEAN. Also, and since 2018, we, we, we're having this uh, engagement with the civil society and other stakeholders. We have our, what we call as the Entities Forum. What we do there is to invite uh, civil society uh, participants and other uh, accredited entities of ASEAN to come together and meet with officials of ASEAN from different countries and discuss issues related to ASEAN uh, community. And so far, uh, we've, we've been very successful in, in, in holding that kind of event. In addition, we've also been very uh, uh, aggressive in terms of reaching out to the universities and the students because we think that the, if we want people to know more about ASEAN, we have to start with the young people, right? Make sure that they know what this region is all about and what ASEAN is, is doing. We also have this ASEAN prize. I am not sure if you've heard about that. This is uh, an annual uh, uh, prize that we give out to outstanding citizens in ASEAN, as well as institutions who have made great contribution in advancing the ASEAN community in the region. And this uh, ASEAN prize is being uh, organized together with the Temasek uh, Foundation from Singapore. And we think that this is also a very important uh, uh, modality for us to reach out to the people. So I think reaching out to the, to the people is very important. We are really trying our best to make sure that all the initiatives in the region are being addressed to, to help people better understand what we do. For me personally, I think it is, is also uh, very uh, relevant because what we do in ASEAN will only become meaningful, right? If the people understand what we do. And, but if people don't understand all these different initiatives, I don't think uh, we are successful in that area. That's why our uh, outreach and uh, community uh, 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 building uh, team at the, at, the, at the Secretariat is uh, really working hard to make sure that outreach is uh, being addressed more effectively. Yeah, I agree with you because you know, Jakarta is a mega city yeah. uh, of, what is it, 10 to 14 million people. And if you go around the city, there's only one spot where there is a billboard on ASEAN, yeah, which exactly. is right down uh, from your office, actually. Yeah, yeah. But uh, there's only one I see in the mm -hmm. city. And if uh, I go around any other ASEAN countries, mm -hmm. it's the same thing. Yeah. There are no billboards <clears throat> or, you know, campaign about mm -hmm. ASEAN, yeah. why is it good for us, and, 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 and so on. You know, I mean, my personal view... Uh, probably, uh, you know, we should think about a yeah. sustained, mm -hmm. active uh, public campaign strategy mm -hmm. to at least uh, educate people that uh, ASEAN mm -hmm. is not just a good name, right. but, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's doing a lot of things that yeah. are relevant uh, to you and you should be uh, part mm -hmm. of it. Uh, right. Dr. Aladdin, <coughs> you s spoke a lot about uh, sustainability, mm -hmm. uh, <coughs> and this is going to be a big year for yeah. the climate uh, diplomacy yeah. right? and um, COVID-19 and climate. These are the two big things uh, mm -hmm. in the world uh, today. Do you think that uh, green growth and mm -hmm. efforts to decarbonize the economy, will that be a prominent prominent feature of the ASEAN economies? Mm -hmm. uh, and and uh, <coughs> will that be part of the ASEAN mm -hmm. economic integration, the, the green growth mm -hmm. agenda? 
Yeah, definitely. Sustainability right now mm -hmm. is, I think, that the main issue to address, right, in our market integration. And within ASEAN, uh, the need to address sustainability and climate change and green growth has been an important priority uh, in our region. And I think this is very much evident in the active participation by uh, ASEAN countries as parties of the uh, the global agreement such as the Paris Agreement or the UN Framework on Climate Change. Uh, we have ASEAN countries as members of those uh, 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 global uh, agreements. At the same time, if you look at within ASEAN, uh, uh, the issue on sustainability and climate change is being addressed uh, aggressively or effectively, if you if, if may say, under the ASEAN social cultural community. Okay? There are various initiatives under ASEAN social cultural community that try to address these uh, issues on climate change and, and green growth. And, and this is also very much evident in the way uh, these issues are being addressed in different sectoral initiatives. For example, uh, we have initiatives on sustainable finance, right? Sustainable transport uh, within the AEC. I think there is now an increasing recognition on, on, on the need to address these uh, issues. Uh, in the area of finance, for example, uh, sustainable financing is been, has been treated as a separate agenda uh, under the discussion by the central bank officials and finance officials in ASEAN. And for me, this is uh, a very good uh, uh, initiative because uh, if you look at sustainability issues like climate change, the issue of financing is very critical. So under the finance cooperation, we're able to uh, uh, develop uh, financing instruments like green bonds, right, to be able to address sustainability issues. And we also came up with some guidelines on how to reduce financing costs, okay, for projects that promote green growth. So all of these are actually now in place. Within the AEC, I think the, the most uh, important uh, initiative as far as the uh, decarbonization of our economies is concerned is in the energy sector. Within the energy sector, for example, we have set a number of targets that allow the, the region or the, the different economies in ASEAN to, to have um, uh, a decarbonized uh, growth path, so to speak, right? For example, uh, we have... Uh, increase the, the, the share of renewable energy into our primary supply of energy. I think right now the target Padino is around 35%, meaning that by 2025, we expect that the share of re renewable energy into the total energy mix supply in ASEAN should be around that one, 35%. Similarly, we try to reduce the energy intensity in ASEAN, okay, to make sure that uh, our demand for this energy uh, uh, um, materials or sources are, is, is being reduced. And, and I think that is uh, very much evident in terms of the intensity of our use, right? So the target right now is it's that we want to reduce the uh, energy intensity to around 32% by 2025. So I think these initiatives in terms of promoting renewable energy and energy efficiency are, in, are indeed very important. But at the same time, within the region, with, uh, or under the cooperation in energy, we're also looking at, at how to develop uh, clean coal technologies, right? To be able That's to mitigate, yes. yeah, yeah. mitigate the emissions from the coal power plants. And also we're trying to uh, be aggressive in terms of using uh, uh, 
natural gas, right? Because these are, I think, good substitute to have a cleaner okay, a transition of, 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 for energy. So those different uh, initiatives are, are now in place. But of course, at the end of the day, these are initiatives will, will become only important if we have strong cooperation in the region. Therefore, in, in ASEAN, we, 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 we make sure that uh, uh, initiatives on their carbonization and green growth okay, and climate change are being uh, also uh, undertaken in cooperation with other stakeholders like international organization, the private sector. I think the private sector role is very important, primarily in terms of how do we finance right, climate change activities. So all of these right now are in place and there is definitely a strong recognition of that. Again, looking back, or, or, or one very good example is the ASEAN Comprehensive Recovery Framework. Under the current framework to uh, facilitate the recovery from this pandemic, one important broad strategy is on sustainability. There is one uh, chapter in our recovery framework that talks about how the region should be able to uh, develop measures you know, to address sustainability across different dimensions, including climate change and green growth. So definitely this is a cross-cutting issue. And I think uh, moving forward, ASEAN can't afford to ignore this, you know, because at the end of the day, everything that we do now is about sustainability, Absolutely, right? Yes, and yeah. inclusivity. Yeah. yeah. Will, will there be a common ASEAN position at the upcoming COP26 meeting in Glasgow, uh, you think? I'm not so sure, but mm. I know that ASEAN is taking this very seriously. Make sure, make sure uh, to make sure that there is a collective voice from the region, as far as climate change, yeah, is concerned. Yeah. Help us understand something. Uh, you spoke about uh, reducing the targets uh, to, uh, to, sorry, increasing the renewable mm -hmm. target to thirty-two percent, for mm -hmm. example. Uh, in places like the economic uh, European Union, for example, mm -hmm. uh, you know, countries are obliged to follow the commitment, they're being mm. checked, uh, there's accountability and, and, and so mm. on, right? But but it, obviously ASEAN is different than the uh, European Union. Mm -hmm. uh, when mm -hmm. ASEAN determines a target like that, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And countries have different priorities, they have mm -hmm. different uh, domestic political interests and right. uh, vested groups mm -hmm. and so on. H how do you make them stick to mm -hmm. such uh, targets, uh, ASEAN being ASEAN and not mm -hmm. being the European Union. Yeah. You know, ASEAN, as you all know, works on the basis of cooperation, yes, right? Yeah. I think that what makes the region different, you know, yeah. from other uh, regional groupings in the sense that there is a very strong sense of cooperation yeah. in the region. And I think we're able to achieve that through a series of meetings, right? As you know, uh, uh, Every time there is an issue that is being proposed, that particular issue has to be discussed by all 10 countries, right? And we're doing that a lot. And for me, that's an effective way of convincing everyone, right, on what they need to do. For example, in terms of trade, uh, sorry, in terms of the energy intensity, the, the target initially was 20%. 
but now we're able to uh, reach the target. Therefore, they up the target to around 32%. So I think this is something that is achieved because of strong cooperation, right? Yes. I think it's the ASEAN way, Padino, right? Yes, How yes. we do things. That, the does region. the ASEC, the ASEAN Secretary, have to do a lot of calls to remind people? We of, do. You yeah, do, yeah? That's do. very interesting. Yeah, I think that's our job. You know, we yeah. need to be like the broker, so to speak, right? Yes, yes. If there are some disagreements, we, we have to, to intervene, you know? We yeah, have to yeah. be... Uh, in, uh, to be between parties to make sure that uh, the initiatives that we want to implement in the region will yeah be that, that's very interesting that's yeah. and, and very good because I remember when when I was in government and would attend some ASEAN meetings yeah. you know you would set some targets uh, some ministers in some sectors and then they go back and they forget about it for the whole <laughs> year right and things like that so so I'm I'm really glad that mm-hmm. the ASEAN Secretariat is is uh, you know pushing. Uh, yeah member countries to do so. Mm. Let's talk about uh, RCEP now, yeah, the Regional okay, yeah. Comprehensive mm, yeah. Economic Partnership that, that was signed mm-hmm. uh, last year, and it was one of the biggest trade deals in 2020, mm-hmm. and uh, certainly the biggest trade deal in the world. Uh, you know, uh, there's a lot of talk that one country that will make the most benefit uh, or take the most advantage out of this is uh, China, mm-hmm. uh, because China is, is so fast and so versatile. Uh, how can ASEAN countries ensure that they too will mm-hmm. gain as much benefits as anybody else mm-hmm. uh, in yeah. the RCEP deal? Yeah, thank you. Uh, I think RCEP, as we all know, for for us is the biggest achievement of ASEAN last year, right? when we had to sign the, the, the RCEP agreement after eight years of negotiation. It is important because it signifies our commitment for, to our rules-based trading system, which also uh, benefits a lot our market integration and at the same time how we are able to engage with, with the rest of the world. So I think in that aspect, RCEP is indeed very important. In terms of how this will impact ASEAN, I think there's definitely a lot of benefits the way I see it. Once RCEP is really implemented and, and, and becomes uh, enforced across countries. In a sense that uh, RCEP contains uh, new disciplines, right, that are not in the ASEAN plus one FTAs. I'm referring here, for example, on issues related to e-commerce, competition, consumer protection, and even uh, uh, government procurement. Those are important issues that are discussed globally. Unfortunately, within ASEAN, they are not lengthily discussed, they are not discussed yet uh, in a very comprehensive way. But with the RCEP, the, since these are parts of RCEP now, I think ASEAN now has a better leverage, right, in terms of how to discuss these issues, particularly in a global setting. And for me, this becomes more important, particularly for our smaller economies in ASEAN, like Cambodia, Myanmar, and, and, and Laos, right? Because we need, these countries need capacity to be able to discuss all these issues. But the fact that these new disciplines are now part of, are being discussed in RCEP, I think would help build the capacity of the smaller ASEAN countries to become confident in engaging in, in all these issues. Uh, secondly, uh, if you look at... Uh, RCEP, it is very comprehensive, okay, as the name suggests, right? Uh, it's comprehensive because uh, in terms of the market access provisions are, are definitely much higher. And at the same time, the market access outcomes in terms of services and investment are also much 
uh, bigger and higher compared to the ASEAN plus one FTAs. Those ASEAN plus one FTAs, I think ASEAN has the advantage in a sense that uh, we, we became like the first mover, right? In, in, in being part of those ASEAN plus one FTAs. Therefore, we, ha we were able to already set our foot, right? In terms of how to uh, advance our manufacturing. But with RCEP, I think our advantage becomes bigger because not right now we're talking about engaging with 15 countries, right? So therefore, the ability of the 10 ASEAN countries to engage with the rest of the other five countries is much higher now. And this is very much facilit facilitated by the fact that there are more uh, uh, significant market access provisions, as I mentioned earlier. Secondly, the rules and the disciplines are much uh, much better in RCEP. For example, one very good uh, 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 example here is the rules of origin. Under RCEP, the rules of origin are much simpler. There are uh, exporters across ASEAN countries are now faced with one single set of rules that would allow exporters in ASEAN countries to have the same uh, tariff preferences. Okay. We don't have that in the ASEAN plus one FTAs because ASEAN plus one FTAs, they have different set of rules, right? Therefore, if you want to engage with China, you, you have to have to have to follow their rules. If you want to engage with Japan, same thing. But with RCEP, one set of rules are given, I think which makes the level the the playing field much leveled in, in my view. Okay. Secondly, there are also uh, more cooperation and technical uh, technical aspects, right? And capacity building that I think will be very important okay, for, for, for the region as well. So in, 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 in my view, RCEP is, is, uh, will become beneficial if it's going to be implemented. That's why the priority in the region this year is to make sure that the agreement itself is being ratified. And we are really pushing hard to, con to uh, work with countries that they have to make sure that ratification is happening this year. Because once ratified and entered into force, then I think we should be able to uh, get all the benefits that RCEP can provide. Yeah. Mm, okay. uh, some who say or criticize that, hey, RCEP is great, but it's not the gold standard that uh, <laughs> T -T T -T TPP uh, yeah. uh, has been. Or mm -hmm. is that is that a fair uh, criticism? Uh, do you have any comment on that? Well, I think uh, to be fair, RCEP is 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 a mega mega agreement, right? Yeah. And therefore, just thinking about how to negotiate, right? Fifteen among fifteen countries is already a huge challenge, you know. And the fact that ASEAN has been able to advance to that level and be able to lead the process, I think that's a big achievement for ASEAN. It's a huge achievement because if you look at RCEP, it's basically an ASEAN-led process, right? So the ASEAN centrality is very much uh, preserved by this process. And uh, considering that ASEAN is, 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 is a small uh, uh, group, right, compared to the other major uh, uh, FTA partners that we have, and the fact that we're able to, uh, to be successful in negotiating this mega agreement, I think that's already a, a, a big uh, uh, success, you know, as far as the region is concerned. Yes. Dr. Aladdin, you mentioned about e-commerce, and yeah. obviously e-commerce is one of the big winners mm -hmm. uh, during the COVID-19 yeah. crisis. Mm -hmm. Do you think that the digital economy is going to be the pillar of ASEAN's economic revivalism? And you know, I ask this because mm -hmm. when it comes to digital policies, 
ASEAN member countries tend to be more inward looking and uh, nationalistic. Mm -hmm. uh, for example, yeah. on cross-border data transfer and, and so on, right? So, you know, what is what are your thoughts on this? For me, digitalization is the way forward, you mm -hmm. know, because this pandemic has uh, shown us how the use of different technologies, right? Uh, can actually or, or, or actually help countries to, to have much higher level of productivity. Digital technologies unleash uh, uh, productivity improvements in the way people interact with each other and the way businesses operate. And I think that additional value add in terms of productivity improvements will be the way forward for the region. Because at the end of the day, what we try to achieve in ASEAN is to make sure that we have a higher level of productivity okay, in the way we do business. And definitely, and in my view, these digital technologies like AI, you know, uh, the, the big data, will make our economies more productive, more efficient. And this is something that ASEAN is trying to uh, uh, actually leverage on in the coming years. Uh, for example, we have now, as you mentioned, the e-commerce agreement, although it's, this is yet to be ratified. But I think what's more important to highlight here is that the regulatory framework in the region right now, as far as digitalization is concerned, is already has started to, to, to become uh, more, more uh, relevant, right? It's taking a lot of shape right now uh, in the sense that there are a number of initiatives that try to promote digitalization. I think last month, uh, our ICT ministers adopted the, the new master plan the, the, the digital master plan for ASEAN for 2025. And that is very important because it sets the overall direction in terms of where the region is heading as far as digitalization is concerned. We're also in the process right now of developing a consolidated strategy on the fourth industrial revolution. This is very important because it also provides the way forward for the region and how to fully embrace the, the 4IR. So when I look at different countries, I think different countries in ASEAN are, I think, are all uh, in the same page, you know, as far as uh, recognizing that the way forward is through digitalization. For example, when you look at different countries, they have adopted their own regulations to promote digitalization. But I think the beauty of the regional cooperation is that we're able to get more synergies, right? We get more, more, uh, more uh, results by making sure that there are regional initiatives that would also influence okay, national uh, countries to implement their own initiatives and priorities. Yeah. Mm. Dr. Aladdin, this is my last question. Uh, this is about uh, ASEAN's competitiveness and ASEAN's place in the global uh, supply chain. Mm. <clears throat> is there any common ASEAN-wide strategy uh, to tap the shift <clears throat> of investment from China? Well, if you look at different initiatives, for example, uh, AKIA, the ASEAN Comprehensive Investment Agreement, it's an initiative that tries to make sure that ASEAN is able to strengthen its investment regime. And I think uh, we're able to, uh, to have some successes in that area because right now we're not only talking about investment liberalization, but we're also talking about different aspects of investment like uh, 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 protection, facilitation, and even uh, uh, liberalization to, to some extent. All of these now are in place in the region. I think it's just a matter of how we implement. I think the idea is to make ASEAN as a very attractive place for investment. 
And during this pandemic, we also recognize the importance of more actions, more commitments. I mentioned earlier about the importance of uh, uh, pro promoting supply chain resilience. Last year, uh, our uh, leaders, for example, have, uh, have recognized the need for the region to be committed, right? To ensuring that our supply chains are strong and resilient. For example, by uh, ensuring that the, that all the, the, the different uh, bottlenecks and as well as uh, rigidities in the supply chains are being addressed. Also last year, our partners like Japan, China, and Korea, we came with an agreement with them on how these uh, ASEAN plus three countries can come together to, to strengthen our supply chain resilience. For me, supply chain is very important because that is the heart of our market integration, right? All, all, most of our trade are actually based on the supply chain, right? In terms of how raw materials are being traded across countries in the region. Therefore, in my view, uh, the coming years will continue to be dominated by supply chain trade. Therefore, how ASEAN is able to take advantage of this, uh, of this uh, uh, growing uh, market will depend on our ability to enhance the resilience of our supply chain. And I think that is where technologies would come in also, would become very important. As I mentioned earlier, we need, for example, investment in different technologies that would allow companies to be able to optimize uh, uh, the, the different flows of production uh, uh, in a supply chain. Because once we have that mechanism, we should be able to identify where are the disru disruptions, right, across the supply chain. And once we identify where are the, the, the bottlenecks, then I think we can easily make our own policy uh, uh, actions. The problem right now during this pandemic is that we were caught unaware, right? When the pandemic hit us and then we thought that our supply chain is, is very strong, right? But, that, but, the, but the problem was that it's not, it's not true. So we're not able to, to identify which part of the supply chain is affected. But once we have all these technologies in, in place, then I think that would make uh, businesses more efficient because through artificial intelligence, for example, it can tell us which part of the production function is affected and what we can do to make sure that the disruption in that part of the supply chain will not uh, spill over to other parts of the supply chain. So I think that's the way forward for me, the, the way I see it. Yeah. Well, uh, Dr. Aladdin, I wish we can go on for another <laughs> hour, but uh, really thank you very much for being here and sharing with us your, your rich uh, analysis and insights into uh, ASEAN affairs. And also, I want to thank you as an ASEAN citizen. Thank you for your service uh, to, to, to ASEAN. And uh, can you tell us uh, your term ends this year? Uh, what happens uh, after that? I think also, uh, thank you so much, Padino. And thank you for, again for inviting me here. I think after my stint at ASEAN, I'll still be doing more ASEAN-related work. I'll be joining a research institute also in Jakarta. And, and I think part of my job there is also to support, you know, uh, all the initiatives under ASEAN. So I think it's nice to be able to continue uh, my work on ASEAN because this is one area that I really want to, to, to pursue more and more. And I, I like the fact that uh, when I joined that area, the research institute, I should be able to uh, uh, do more research and, and uh, capacity building activities that would uh, 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 try to ad uh, take advantage of or understanding more issues related to ASEAN. Yes. Yeah. Well, 
it's, it's not very often that I meet people who have lifelong dedication to, to ASEAN, you know. Uh, uh, some of my former colleagues at the foreign minister, they go to ASEAN and they go to other posts uh, and, and so on. But, but you know, you, you're there for a long time mm, and yeah. you plan to, to continue mm. on these issues for quite some time as well. So thank you very thank much. Thank you so much. This is your host, Dino Patijalal, and I hope you enjoy and learn a lot from our episode. Don't forget to share and subscribe Eyes on Southeast Asia on your favorite streaming platform. Follow FPCI social media for more information about our activities, upcoming events, and programs. See you there.